Welcome back, everybody, to some ass. I'm Adam. And I'm Steve. And this is the show, Adam Steve Show. We are here to talk about all things movies, including the end of movies. It's over. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, movies are done uh, because we're going on strike, baby. What do you think about it? Yeah, it absolutely is something that's needed to happen for some time now. The whole pay thing is ridiculous. The whole thing about AI, like trying to use background actors for their likeness, like forever, like the studio owns it after one time and they want to pay him one flat fee. That's some insane stuff because you would not have the actors you have today. Like the standards that they have now in streaming, especially with these companies are absolutely ridiculous for both the actors and the writers. So it's a very good thing that's happening and hopefully they get something very productive out of this by the end of it. Yeah, I agree. I've been talking a lot about it with people within the industry, and uh, we're all very afraid about it, especially all the big movies that are getting pushed back. And I work in movie marketing, so I'm worried about how all this is going to affect what I do and whatnot. So it's very worrisome uh, that, you know, and people aren't getting paid what they should get paid. And that's terrible. But hey, uh, good stuff is happening. Uh, We are putting in the work, doing our due diligence, and hopefully we will persevere. Yep. Definitely in support of both the WGA and SAG. Hopefully they get some good stuff out of this. Yeah, and David Zaslav, you suck. Is that his name, Zaslav? Zaslav, I think, yeah. Yeah, Bob Iger, you suck too. I hate both of you. Yeah. Uh, I will buy a steak dinner when you pass on to the ne- the next world. Yeah, fuck them billionaire bullshitters. Uh, yeah, but speaking of billionaires, uh, there was a trailer for a movie that came out recently. Uh, unless you had anything else you want to say about the strike. Nah, go out there and uh, support them. They're not all rich, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I uh, there was a trailer for the Wonka movie from the director of both Paddington movies starring Timothy Chalamet. And this is a movie that I am very excited about uh, because I love both Paddington movies. And you, you have not seen the trailer, correct? I have not seen the trailer. I've seen the first Paddington movie. I haven't seen the second one yet. Even the people say that's like one of the best movies ever made, but... Very excited for it, nevertheless, because I'm a fan of Timothy as well. So, and the pictures just made me laugh a lot because I compared him to Gonzo in the Muppets Christmas Carol, and it mm. cracked me up so much. Is that the only memes you've seen so far about this? Yeah. Okay, because there's a lot about like people, you know, he's doing that like kooky kind of performance thing, and I love it because there's a part where he's like screaming about the chocolate factory. And I just think that's a really funny concept. He's like, they'll be the greatest chocolate factory ever made. And it's like, he sounds like he's making a speech in like Dune. That's great. I'm, that <laughs> makes me even more excited to see it, honestly. Like there's like a sign that says no daydreaming. It's just like this whimsical, fun little thing. Did I need an origin story for Willy Wonka? No. Uh, by the way, no dentist stuff in this trailer. Remember the Johnny Depp movie with Count Dooku? Very little. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah, I grew up with bad teeth, so that always terrified me. Uh, but yeah, so this looks great. If you hate it, that's I'm sorry. It's a fun little fantasy movie for families. It comes out around Christmas, and I can't wait to go see it. Uh, but that's just a movie that's coming out eventually. There are plenty of movies right here, right now, ready to talk about. Uh, what would you like to discuss first? Uh, let's jump in our little time machines a little bit for a movie that came out at the end of June. And that's our old boy, Indiana Jones. He came back out of retirement for one more fight. And it's Indiana Jones. And what was it even called? I'm trying to remember. The Dial of Destiny. The Dial of Destiny. Yes, yeah, that's, that's kind of the impact it had on me, honestly. I enjoyed it for the most part, though. I can't say I didn't have fun watching it. 
-hmm. it definitely has a bit more of a cohesive story in my opinion than crystal skull crystal skull just was a little bit out there especially for its time and what it tried to go for with its cgi unfortunately this one was definitely felt more in line with some of the older ones where they had more real sets and everything and everything looked a bit more authentic, even though, of course, they have to do some CGI stuff, especially with Harrison Ford being 70 plus years old now. But mm-hmm. for what it's worth, I thought it was a really fun movie. Mads Mikkelsen was a fantastic villain for me, in my opinion. I liked mm-hmm. him being like the hidden Nazi type deal. They brought back in the Nazis because what's Indiana Jones without some Nazis? But mm-hmm. I thought it was a pretty fun time. Mm-hmm. I, I really think you uh, have very apt word choice when you said the word retirement at the beginning, because uh, my biggest thing with this movie is I really did not want it because I don't want to see a 70, 80 year old man go around and punch people like I can't even imagine my dad, imagine my dad punching anybody right now, like let alone my grandpa. So yeah. I just think that's a bad like we were literally complaining about this back in 2008 when came the Crystal Skull came out saying that he's too old and now he's definitely way too old. And, you know, you talked about like the, the the CGI making him look younger. And I don't think that they did a terrible job on it. I just don't think that they should have done it in the first place. Because that entire opening sequence, while like a cool indie concept of him like trying to navigate his way through this Nazi train yeah. is, is like a classic indie setup. But the entire time I'm just sitting there looking at the imperfections on his face. And I don't want to be thinking about that while I'm watching my adventure serial. And I just think that uh, that it's it's kind of like that thing they say in Jurassic Park, where it's like you sat around thinking about whether or not you could. You didn't stop and think whether or not you should. Uh, so that really took me out of the movie. Yeah, I don't. it didn't distract me too much, I guess. I was mm-hmm. just kind of having fun with it. It seemed like Harrison Ford, he loves playing the character of Indiana Jones. And it seemed mm-hmm. like he had a good time making this one a lot more than like say a star wars and even that last blade runner it seemed like he had a lot more energy for indiana jones and really wanted to end it on a high note and i think for what it's worth i think a lot of it was tying up a lot of loose ends for his story and everything and if they end it here that's awesome i really Mm -hmm. don't want them to continue like i think this is a good ending point if they try to push it too far i think it's going to just be a disaster uh, I actually am going to disagree. I mean, I agree that they shouldn't make any more. I agree with that. But I think that the Kingdom of Crystal Skull is a much more apt ending to his character. He goes, runs off into the, you know, with his wife and he, he's not passing on the torch. He is Indiana Jones. No, you're not going to take my hat, little Shia LaBeouf, you know, and I think that's kind of perfect. You know, he gets to have his wife. Uh, but I also think that the best Indiana Jones ending is the Last Crusade. Them riding off literally into the sunset, like that's perfect. So him, uh, you know, with the with the hat and everything. I don't know. I feel like they kind of left it open, like they didn't close the door completely. But I, I just never want to see this movie ever again. Well, and I honestly, the older he gets, I think you're going to have a harder time getting Harrison Ford to do it, especially even an Indiana Jones movie, let alone anything else. And it's not successful. So it's it's like a huge bomb just because the yeah. budget was so obnoxiously high. I think they said it just now broke even. And that's within, I think it's the fourth week. So it's definitely like probably about to be pushed out anyway. So it just now broke even, did not make any money for the most part. So I can't see them really rushing out to make another one. Yeah. Uh, Another couple things that you pointed out that I want to touch on is um, the villain 
being Mads Mikkelsen playing a Nazi yet again. Obviously, we are in the future or past World War II, but there's still Nazis. And that's believable because if you look around the United States today, there are also still Nazis. Uh, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen is a great villain. And we knew he would be because he also played a villain in the James Bond movie, arguably the best one, Casino Royale. And knowing how many ties that the Indiana Jones franchise has to the James Bond franchise, knowing that Spielberg wanted to originally direct a Bond movie and then having Sean Connery play the father figure in The Last Crusade, obviously like the the iconic James Bond plays his dad, who he feels like he has an inferiority complex to. So... I just think I think it's lazy. Like he's good, and I think he's a good villain, but I think it's lazy casting just to be like, yeah, yeah, he did that before. Do it again. You I know? mean, you could say it's lazy casting, but I don't know if I would have ran out to go see it in the theaters if it wasn't Mads Mikkelsen. Because for me, maybe not for everyone else in the world, but Mads Mikkelsen is a name that gets me into the theater. Like I saw that Arctic movie in the theaters when it came out purely because he was in it. The only reason I went to see it. So that's the kind of thing that honestly sells it for me more than just being an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he, he obviously he's not a huge box office draw. I mean, he's great. Another round is one of the the best performances I've seen in the last five years. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I just think that he did a great job. And yes, I understand why they put him there, but I just didn't feel like like it's kind of like Melissa McCarthy getting casted as Ursula. It's like you really didn't think about that very much, did you? Like you put it into A.I., and you just like chat GPT. What what would be a good casting for the Indiana Jones villain? If, if there's someone perfect for the role, why would you not put them in it? You know, I understand. That's right. That's not my huge gripe with the movie. Uh, another gripe I have is I I like the without spoiling anything. I like the third act action set like setting specifically. I think it fits very much so with the rest of the franchise because Indiana Jones has always been a very grounded action franchise. You know, set in like history, uh, mm-hmm. but there's always these little like, you know, uh, fantasy type elements to it. You know, there's an Ark of the Covenant. There is, you know, the Temple of Doom and the voodoo dolls and all that. There's the the chalice, the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. the Last Crusade. And then obviously not aliens, extra dimensional beings in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So the avenue that they go, it's called the Dial of Destiny. You can put two and two together. The avenue that they go to be fantastical in this movie i think it apt and it worked how do you feel about it oh yeah i thought it was pretty interesting i liked i mean it's i don't know if it's really spoiling too much it's a bit to do with time travel yeah and i thought it was pretty fun it, it was something like like you said it's never the indiana jones is always grounded but there's always a bit of fantasy elements to it there's always a bit and it still stays true to that template it has the trapdoor stuff it has the sillier stuff that's if you suspend your belief a little bit it's still a fun movie and it makes a lot of sense that mm-hmm. with the motivations in a way i like the eels i think that's a fun little like yeah they're like water snakes yeah even though there are water snakes but still like that's a cool concept and a cool little set piece that I'm ha- and i think all the action set pieces are really good specifically the parade and the nazi train i think were really fantastic uh, I do want to pose this question to you, good sir. Uh, imagine you are watching this franchise later on in history, right? Do you feel like you'd be able to tell that this one was not directed by Steven Spielberg as opposed to the first four? I was just about to say that. I think James Mangold did his best to almost imitate Steven Spielberg's style in this one. So it almost made it look like 
I don't know, it almost took the fun out of it almost being a James Mangold movie because there's still some of like the cinematography you can tell is they're trying to be a bit bigger sometimes maybe mm. but a lot of it they're almost trying to mimic some of Spielberg shots and everything too like if they would have tried a little bit harder to make it their own it would have been cooler but yeah it definitely felt like almost like a fan film in a way mm, yeah I, I think that he's a very good director but obviously it doesn't touch Spielberg earlier. You brought up how you like this more than kingdom of the crystal skull. I rewatched King of the crystal skull. And this is a movie that like, I kind of hold in the same regard as like Batman and Robin. And that I grew up knowing it was like the worst thing ever. So then when I finally watched it, I was like, Oh, this is fine. You know? And I rewatched King of the crystal skull and mm-hmm. I had a really fun time with it. And if you think that Indiana Jones looks old there, Jesus Christ, he's old in dial of destiny. And mm-hmm. I, I you know I didn't mind Mutt, and I liked Karen Allen coming back, and uh, I I just really uh, oh Kate Blanchett by the way, awesome villain in that yeah. movie. You yeah, know, you brought up earlier like uh, you know what's Indiana Jones without some Nazis, and I'm like Indiana Jones like he's more than just Nazis. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I like I like Temple of Doom how we you know take a left turn there. I like the Russians in the fourth movie, uh, and I think that I understand why they went back to Nazis in this one, but I, I don't think he's exclusive to Nazis. And I, I, I do sympathize with the the crowd that's like, oh, well, by making a movie about an older Indiana Jones, you're making him, he's no longer a character and now he's like a human being. You know what I mean? Like, like let me explain. Like, I think Indiana Jones should be more like James Bond and that he should be a, you know, in that specific time, you know, and we just make keep making movies about this character, but he's not like a person, you know, we, we you can recast and it's just like almost like an alias, you know? So I, I, but I think Harrison Ford, I love that he loves this character and he's so devoted to it, but I think it's to the detriment of this franchise because while I didn't want to see a Chris Pratt, Indiana Jones movie, it would have been much more, easy to stomach than watching this 80 year old man you know fight his way out of things i just didn't find it that distracting i don't know i didn't really find his age to be that distracting and i think they edited it enough where i didn't notice the movement as much as some other people may have i don't know Mm-hmm. Like well, I, when they did the face thing, I can like I hear his voice. That's an old man voice. I yeah. see the body movements. That's an old man. Bo- like as if he did this during the movie. Whenever they lit him up way too much, you can definitely see a lot of the imperfections. But I liked it when they kept it darker. But the voice is always going to be a thing. That's the same thing with like when they did it back with the fucking one on Netflix with Robert De Niro and all that, where they tried to make him look the like Irishman. A, yeah, they tried to make him look like he was like thirty, but the dude's fucking eighty years old. <laughs> Or watching him kick someone and you're like, Joe, that's an old man. Right well, there. and Joe Pesci's like, hey, young man, come over here and help me. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> yeah, well, the Irishman's much better than this. I'll tell you that much. Well, but yeah. I, I don't know. I wish this movie didn't exist. I gave it I give it a solid three out of five. Like, I, I thought it was an interesting experience watching it. And just as a standalone, like, action movie. Like, I think if you're not a fan of Indiana Jones, you'll like this more than if you are a fan of Indiana Jones. I think I can honestly agree with that. Like, it's definitely one that is very accessible to anybody. It's not a whole lot, and it gives you all the story you need. Like, you don't need to go back and rewatch them all if you don't want to, but go back and rewatch them. Because honestly, this was before watching this one, I went back and just watched all of them in a row. And I hadn't actually seen Temple of Doom or Last Crusade. I'd seen a little bit of 
Crystal Skull before, but I just went through and watched all of them. Temple of Doom is my favorite right now, right next to uh, the original, but I enjoyed all of them. Like, they're all, like, between four and five out of five, or between four and five, but this last one, I'd put it around, like, a three, three and a half, too. It's not, like, the best, but it's not a bad movie by any means. I think I cracked the code when it comes to the order in which I watch them, because I watched Dial of Destiny. By the way, probably never going to watch it again. Like, if I ever rewatch the franchise, that'll be one that I, like, kind of throw on just to, like, have on after I've watched the first four. But I watched Dial of Destiny, and then I was like, hmm, well, I kind of want to compare it to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So I did that second, and then I was like, all right, well, let's do the original trilogy as well. But let's just go in order in which they came out. So I think Temple of Doom is the most fun, but I definitely think it's the worst of the original trilogy, even though I love all all three of those those movies. And then Raiders, and then Last Crusade, because I the true, the peak Indiana Jones ending to me is him riding off into the sunset at the end of Last Crusade. I just didn't really get into Last Crusade that much. I don't know. Oh, I'm in the middle of it right now, and I'm 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 adoring it. Uh, actually, one thing I wanted to point out about this movie that I really love is, um, like, clearly, I got a lot of Toy Story vibes from this movie. So you know how Toy Story is about a cowboy, you know, Wild Wild West Frontier action man. He's used to being the guy, the big thing. And now a new spaceman comes along, and that's what everyone's obsessed with. Everyone forgets about old Woody, and he feels like he has no place in his world, right? I mean, this is the uh, yeah. first Indiana Jones movie to open with the fucking Disney castle. There's no way I was ever going to make that comparison, but yeah, I, I can see it. But I love that. I love when he's on, like he's teaching his class and they're falling asleep as opposed to early in his career when the women are all fawning over him, you know? And then he's on the train and he looks down at the kid and he's got the helmet and the like, space thing. And he's like, I don't really have a place in this world. So that's that that makes me kind of like the decision he wants to make at the end of the movie uh, without spoiling anything. Yeah, that's those are the parts of the story that I really enjoyed is that rather than us just being upset that he's old man Indiana Jones, they made that the story. Mm-hmm. They made it that he's he's not in touch with anything anymore. He's lost his wife. He's lost his whole life, really. He's just an old man. Mm-hmm. And then he's brought back into it because of his goddaughter and her shenanigans. Mm. Well, I also was didn't like that they tried to make Indiana Jones relatable because I don't think that Indiana Jones is a relatable character in any way, shape, or form. Like, Indy's better than us. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you're the common man. If you were put in the scenario that Indy is, where it's like, oh, I have this trinket, this artifact, and I could be a millionaire if I just, you know, sell it or whatever. And he's like, no, nah, it belongs in a museum. You know? Well, the, the audience that they're playing to with this is that 50-plus-year-old who they're kind of in their midlife crisis and they want adventure like this in a way. So that's probably what they're kind of playing towards a little bit. How I saw it anyway, is that they're playing to those people who really want that adventure again and are lost in life right now. Oh, this is a Liam Neeson movie with a bigger budget, like the to a T. Yeah. Uh, But so you, this is your least favorite. You like this uh, more than King of the Crystal Skull. I do. I actually, I put it right next to honestly Last Crusade at the moment. I might change eventually, but it's right there in like that number three, number four spot. Rewatch Last Crusade for me. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. Like, I will. Please go. I will that first watch sequence with the River Phoenix is so beautiful, and then he puts the hat on him, and when he looks up, it's the Indiana yeah. Jones today, and it's like, let's go. I love that opening. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's a beautiful movie. And I just love the pivots it makes from Temple of Doom, too, because everyone's complaining about how Willie is this, you know, and she's so like spastic. And then this girl's like so like like she's going through the mud and she doesn't care, you know, and that's the thing, really. I'm pulling hairs with how I'm ranking them because they're all like within that four little bit of three and a half there, but they're all in that range because none of them are bad. Like they're all really fun adventure movies. Like if you've never watched them, mm-hmm. highly recommend just going through them on a weekend and having fun because there's nothing really bad going on in any of them. Mm-hmm. So do you, you said Temple of Doom is your favorite. Uh, you think it's better than Raiders or is it just your favorite? I, I wouldn't say it's a better movie in any way, maybe, but it's just the one that, it starts off and it's just action packed throughout and it's just silly and having fun. And so I feel like it's more entertaining in a way, but I would still say that it's not the better movie than Raiders. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking up real quick. Cause I know we have our box office game as well. Uh, I is a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so this is one of my movies, unfortunately, uh, but 68% and it is a bombing movie at the box office. But if we quickly check box office mojo and we see how much it's making, getting killed by Sound of Freedom on the daily, if you haven't noticed, uh, but 145 million domestically. So I do get those 68 points, which is not going to mean much when uh, we talk about Mission Impossible later. Uh, but we'll save that for a little bit later. Do you have any final thoughts on Indy? I, I it's fine. It's whatever, you know? No, I want to pivot just for a second. Have you seen Sound of Freedom just because you said it? Okay, I mean, we could do the whole episode about this movie if you really Why does I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm just, I didn't know it was a fucking movie until like a couple days ago when all the stir online has started. Mm, and this is beautiful. I love, I love this. Thank God. This has been my life for two weeks. I work at the movie theater. Okay. Yeah, I and I also was. didn't know this was out until <laughs> I worked on it like that first Thursday and I didn't audit. And like the first showtime, I think it was like a four o'clock. So I'm like, that had like 15 people in it, you know, normal, like, you know, whatever movie. And then the seven o'clock, there's uh, 200 people, just under 200 people could fit in this theater. There was 137 and it was like totally packed. And 95%, my job is to count the demographics, right? And, you know, age, gender, ethnicity. And 95% of the people that are there are older, white, and Hispanic people, right? Um, so that's just an observation of, like, of the facts that I accrued over the weekend. I'm not trying to make any points. I'm just saying this is a movie that caters to older demographics, right? Yeah. And the, the, this did not stop being popular. The Friday, it sold out man like and then every single prime time that's the thing it's only the prime time show times on the weekdays like the seven o'clock showtime sells out all the time that crappy fashion square theater i love it i love it i'm sorry but i <laughs> that crappy fashion yeah. square theater that we went to and saw jurassic world falling kingdom at yeah that sold out an eight o'clock saturday showtime like people were like had to wait outside and were upset because they weren't able to go see the eight and they were waiting for the nine fifty. That is insane. This, they love this movie. Right. And then there's a thing at the end of the movie where they have like a QR code and you can buy a ticket for someone else to go see this movie. Cause it's all about spreading awareness about spreading the word. And I just want to make this very clear, right? Nobody in their right mind, Supports child trafficking. 
That is the we goofiest. are all against it. That's the funniest part. It's like, why do you need to spread more? Like everyone's aware, and no one supports this shit. Like, what is the insane part about all of the fucking shit? Like, it's it's just crazy. So this movie was made five years ago by Jim Caviezel. I'm gonna give you a little history because I've been obsessed with everything around this movie, right? Yeah, didn't uh, he get fucking struck by lightning on the set of Passion of the Christ and since then people have, like, said he's crazy or something? Yeah, I, I, he's, like, connected, like, QAnon conspiracy theorists, which, uh, genuinely, I don't know what QAnon means, but that's okay. It's, uh, like, so- right-wing crazy people. I watched a whole documentary about it, and it's, like, mm-hmm. bad. Well, he's attached to it, and this was made and produced by 20th Century Fox, who was bought by Disney and shelved this movie. They tried to sell the rights over to like companies, streaming companies like Netflix and Amazon. They all passed that we don't want to be associated with a movie like this, right? So I feel like the audience that's going to see this movie thinks it's like a political act. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm I'm proving a point to the woke mob and the media. And because they're like, oh, the media won't cover this. And then there's some reviews on like reputable websites that are like trashing this movie, you know, calling it like uh, for dads with brain worms. And then people like hound these like writers, these they cyber bully them, they send them death threats and they accuse them of being pedophiles. I think I even heard that people like just random people that write reviews on Letterboxd, people that have like said that it's bad. People have like just randomly like reply to them, be like, you're supporting the all of this child trafficking, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's just someone reviewing a movie. If they don't mm. like a movie, it doesn't mean they support child trafficking. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I went to go look at this movie on Letterboxd about a, a little over a week ago, and I couldn't even like you couldn't rate it. You know, and you couldn't log it at all. You It was there, but you couldn't log it. And I don't know if you've you perused some mm. of these like uh, critic sites, but Rotten Tomatoes, it's at like, oh, I think it's like 71 or like 82, somewhere in that range. So decently good movie, right? Yeah. But Jeremy you, Johns, I think, reviewed it positively, too. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Buddy told me about that. Uh, but the the audience score ninety nine percent, and then what? like IMDb has it like an eight point six, which would put it up there with like the Godfather movies and crap as like one of the greatest ever. And I think it's just a lot of people like, oh, it aligns with my political beliefs, so it's great. You know what I mean? It's really good, and I can't really judge because I walked out of Spiral, the Book of Saw, being like, a cab, baby, a cab. But um, I don't know. It's it's if people, I think. People should be able to see this movie, right? Because we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes of this whole conspiracy uh, is that AMC is actively thwarting people from watching this movie. They're turning off the AC. They're they're messing with the, the you know, the it won't load or anything. The lights won't turn off. Have you heard about this? Yeah. And the funniest part about it is like AMC is trying to shut it down. It's like, first of all, AMC doesn't have to take the fucking movie. There's a lot of other theaters that don't have it. AMC is mm. doing you a favor. They're not trying to sabotage their own theater. Trust me. They want your money. <laughs> yes. The movie theater industry, I promise, is not turning away any profits whatsoever. They do no. not care what your political beliefs are. No. Uh, so, so it's just extremely frustrating to hear people say that. And also, I work at a movie theater. I just came from there. I'm there five days a week. The AC always doesn't work sometimes and it's usually in these smaller theaters because think about it theater two is what the theater that it's in which in my theater we have 20 screens right the one is the 40x the 10 is like the big one 11 is the imax 20 is also a big one that's 3d compatible and then theater two is like one of the like smaller theaters and so when it's getting packed 
with like over a hundred like older, you know, Floridian, like out of shape people, we'll especially larger. in yeah, especially in Florida when it's 90 degrees out every single day. Yeah, it's going to get a little hot. Like that most like iconic, like uh, not iconic, but the most popular video of this lady trying to, I smell shit, you know, like trying to, you know, snuff out this conspiracy. She's like, yeah, we went to the theater in North Carolina. I'm like, you mean the red state North Carolina wouldn't play the Republican movie? Like, <laughs> get out of here. I don't know. It's It's a religious thing, too. Like I obviously played Jesus Christ and then Mel Gibson's like the only major celebrity who will support it. But yeah, Makes even sense. this past week, like Saturday, there was like a four o'clock showtime, 200 people in it. Cause they moved it to theater seven. It's, it's gotten even more popular. And like, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, we talked about Ron DeSantis going after Disney and it's like, I'm happy someone's going after Disney, but I'm not happy that it's you. <laughs> and yeah. then similarly with this, it's like, this movie is doubling the box office take of Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. And I'm like, I'm happy something's beating a movie that I don't want to exist at the box office, but why does it have to be you? You know? Yeah, that's the disappointing part. Like, I think I saw like the weekend box office pop up at one point. And it was like number two or number three. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why is this movie just getting more and more popular? But, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, if they're not going to hurt anybody with it, go <laughs> for it. Like, if it's not. I don't know what's going on in the movie. I can't speak to it by any means. I think people have said that it's kind of graphic and what it shows a little bit, even though it's PG-13. But mm. if they're if they're just trying to get the point across and they're trying to say that it's bad, even though who the fuck's saying it's good? But I guess mm. go for it, bud, and kill the just bring more money to the movie theaters. Is all I ask, I guess. Yeah. Right. And I, one more question about this movie for you, just to the point, one more point I want to prove about it. Uh, how old is uh, your niece? Oh, five. She'll turn six in October. Would you take her to see this movie? It's rated PG-13. No. Oh, well, that's interesting because I've seen <clears throat> endless amounts of like single age digit children, babies even, coming to go see this movie and it's like, I'm just watching these parents drag these little kids in. And I'm like, what no. are you, what's your angle here, dog? No, because I'm pretty sure that they don't, they don't hold back on some stuff. Like kids get abducted and shit. And you're showing that to your kid. Like you're trying to fucking scar them for life. Like you don't want them to go outside anymore. Like what the hell are you trying to do here? Yeah, it's really creepy and weird. I think it's perverted to bring a kid to it. I mean, I guess I could so see someone being like, well, actually, if I show them this movie, they'll know the signs of being captured and child trafficking and they'll they'll know and they won't be falling for these things anymore. I don't know. I don't care. This movie yeah, probably whatever. You ruin your childhood <laughs> at that point, too. Like it's yeah, there's definitely double sided coins there. Yeah. Why take them to see Spider-Verse or, you know, Elemental when you can go yeah. see the child sex trafficking movie? And then yeah, pray the, afterwards. They'll definitely learn more lessons here than they will in stupid woke Disney. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry to go off on this huge. Clearly, you triggered me here. <laughs> this movie has driven me crazy. Still, tonight on a Monday night, there was like over a hundred people in theater seven. Yeah, it's this is a bizarre time for movie theaters. We'll say that. I forgot <laughs> what movie we we're even trying to talk about. <laughs> we were on Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, um, what's it called? 
Uh, just to get uh, a, a smaller movie out of the way here real quick, because I am having my eye on the time. Um, I went to my second Regal Mystery movie. It was Talk to Me. And uh, that's an A24 horror movie from these Australian directors, I think. And it's their directorial debut. Is, and is that the one with the hand thing? Yeah. yeah. I saw the trailer for that. It's, it looks fun. I never saw any marketing about this movie except the poster. And the concept's cool because you, you, know, you they tie you to a chair and you grab the hand. You say like um speak i don't know i let you in or what i don't care they say something, something. and then like you see like a like a like a ghost and it kind of takes you over for like a minute and then they like kick you out of it and then you're good but it's like a big drug metaphor and uh it's it's pretty good i feel like i would have liked this more if i was a teenager but it has like a really weird moment uh with uh feet that i'm that's all i'm gonna say the feet uh when you watch this movie think about feet uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, it's 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 decently good though. I give it a three out of five. I, I think people will enjoy this. It's not my favorite A twenty four horror movie by far. Like, there's much better uh, output from them. But the ending was really fantastic, and I, I think you'll like this a lot more than I did. I just had a really bad. Uh, do you ever go to the Oviedo Mall, the Regal one? Uh, maybe once. I think I might have saw the Mister Rogers documentary there. Oh, I recently watched that. That's a beautiful, beautiful documentary. Yeah, I cried. Uh, but yeah, no, I watched it there and there was a guy who put, he took his shoes off. By the way, if you take your shoes off in public and in, indoors, you're, you're weird. Yeah. And then he put his feet up on the chair, right in there. There was a person to the right and to the left of that seat that he was putting his feet on. And then he went on Twitter. He had it on night mode though. Thank God. Uh, and it was just, it was really awful. I'll no. say that. So, so watch this movie without, uh, disgusting people. Yeah, I think I, I saw someone else's review recently that said someone someone was in a movie theater with somebody and they took their kid there that was like a toddler and they turned on the fucking cell phone and was letting them watch videos on their phone during Insidious, I think is what I saw it was. I was like, who the fuck is that bold that they're going to take their child to a horror movie and then pull out a fucking cell phone on like full blast and turn on videos for them? Yeah, kill me. I, this is why recently I, I decided sitting in the third row. <laughs> Because like I don't, I really don't mind like looking up. It's the big screen for a reason, and I just know if I'm in the third row, I'm not going to see any phones in front of me, and everyone's, especially the little teens, are going to go sit in the back. This is why I've avoided Insidious Chapter Five because I'm I'm afraid of teenage boys. <laughs> they're they're monsters, man. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Then. Yeah, well, well, I, we will talk about Insidious Chapter Five now. So yeah, just like Adam said, we're going to talk Insidious, and Insidious, the Red Door. Now, Adam hasn't seen this one yet, so I'm going to go ahead and take the lead on this one and tell you, I had some pretty fun times with it. It's not, like, as horrific as I would have expected, especially with some of the other movies in the franchise, but I kind of liked it for that reason. It definitely picks up where it left off with the second movie. It's, it's a good trilogy movie. It's a good ending of the trilogy for the Lambert family. Because it picks up with their story. They're all definitely still seeing the repercussions and going through the fallout from the possession and everything and what the toll took on the family itself. So it's a bit of like a family drama in a way, but still some horrific scenes in it. Like there's a scene that it kind of shows in the trailer a little bit where Patrick Wilson is in this fucking uh, MRI machine and like the power goes out and someone who is claustrophobic and scared of the dark 
I would be freaking out and it just terrified me sitting in the movie theater. So there are some scenes in there that genuinely are some of the scariest stuff, but still some really good scenes of drama and stuff. And there's some even some comedic stuff that you kind of expect from past stuff being like the the two side characters, Specs and can't remember the I can't remember, Tucker. Those two comedic characters, they kind of still have that a little bit with a little side character when the kid who gets possessed goes to college and it's kind of just all of that together. And honestly, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of people that probably won't love it as much because like I said, it's not a jump scare fest. It kind of has more of a story to it and it wants to give you a good cap for this Lambert family that we kind of grew to love in those first two movies and then abandoned for the little prequel stuff that they did that no one really cares about. So I was a good cap to all of that. And I think that James Wan and all of them really had some really good input on it, it felt like, because it definitely felt like James Wan-esque, but still with Patrick Wilson being in the director's chair, I think he was able to bring a lot of that together. And especially with him being so attached, being one of the characters in the movie, you could definitely see him caring about the family and the story a bit more. I would love to defend the third and fourth Insidious movie, but I actually went back and rewatched the first two, which are two horror movies that are deathly important to me. Insidious was like one of my first horror, like straight up horror movies that I watched. I remember I was asleep over with friends and I was terrified until Darth Maul showed up and I was like, ha ha, this is fun and silly. Uh, so actually that's my first question for you. Uh, do they do him justice in this? So I, I think the character is cool still but the makeup i didn't love it as much as that original one i think it was a bit of a step down i think james wan definitely just a lot of the makeup stuff in his movies it seems like there's just so much more uh detailed and it's definitely something he pays attention to a lot deeper and it felt like that might have been a little bit on the wayside in this one but i thought the story there with the character was still really cool but yeah, it, the makeup just wasn't as frightening. But the fun fact with the first movie, actually, that I'd like to share, first mm -hmm. time I ever smoked weed, actually, was when I went and saw the Insidious movie in theaters. I was 14 years old. Wow. And it was wow. the most terrifying we had ever seen at that time because I was so stoned. <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I remember I, I love the first movie so much. That was a movie I, me and my friends growing up really held close to our hearts. And then the second one, I thought was equally as great as the first one and then the third one lee winnell directed so it's still in the family similarly yeah. to this one uh but the story is very forgettable it's very much so just the adventures of lynn shay and the, her two little buddies and then the fourth one it has a lot of her backstory which i love how many how much legs that lynn shay gets in this franchise but uh, is she back in, in this one by the way um, they used her perfectly because she wasn't in it a ton, but she is in it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. That's all I needed to know. I will definitely be seeing it. I'm just like afraid because like I'm nervous. This kind of gives me like Saw 2 and 3 vibes where it's like, yeah, James Wan and Lee Winnell are still like attached, but like mm -hmm. they're not, you know, they're not directing or anything. Yeah, and it's good that you said that because it's like that because the first three Saw movies are honestly a good trilogy in themselves and Honestly, if you put this one next to those first two, it's a really good trilogy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. No, I'll definitely be going out to go see it. Uh, I'm not crazy about it because it is something that I hold so close to my heart. And I probably won't even rewatch the third and the fourth one, if I'm being frank. Yeah, I haven't seen them in a while. I don't dislike those movies. They're just so far 
out of the way when it comes to especially now that they've wrapped up the story of the Lambert family like I said the other ones they're like prequel movies in a way and they're fun to get some of that story with Lynn Shay's character and seeing all the ghost hunting that she did and all that crazy stuff but it doesn't really feel that necessary when you want to just know more about this specific demon and this specific family it seems like this franchise is like a jumping off point for directors because well obviously james wan previously did saw and i think he did death sentence and um dead silence uh, in between this and uh the first saw movie but yeah uh, i know lee winnell i think his directorial debut was that third one and then i think this is patrick wilson's directorial debut so i love how like everyone associated with this franchise just like all right this is this is your trial run and then your next thing will be like your actual like because like i love upgrade and i love the invisible man uh and i haven't seen cooties but i want to see that as well it is good yeah there i yeah it's really fun that james wan i think he like wants to get creative out of his friends and everything and really wants to push people and just make some really cool stuff and i'm excited like he has this one movie that they're shooting i think this summer with that high school kid i think he's shooting it between like his junior and senior year of high school he like made like some youtube stuff like i think it was called like dark rooms or something like that videos Mm -hmm. and james wan like saw he was doing stuff online and got him a movie deal basically at his production Mm -hmm. company and the kid's shooting it before he even graduates high school so like james wan loves to give people chances in a way so i think it's really fun Mm -hmm. so uh what did you rate this movie by the way I gave it a three and a half. Like it's on that border where I almost gave it a four, but it just, I don't know. There were some things I didn't absolutely love about it, but nothing really nitpicky. Mm-hmm. And where'd you rank it amongst the franchise? Um, Probably third. Like those first two are still my absolute favorites for sure, but it's probably right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Well, I will definitely be seeing it. I apologize for my lateness. I remember we were talking about this like recording a week ago. And I was like, I'll see Joyride, I'll see Pirates, I'll see... <laughs> I saw yeah. so many things except this, and I'll, I'll get to it, though. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts on Insidious? No, nah, I definitely recommend it, though, especially if you're a fan of the franchise. I think it's a good, good franchise movie. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, well, I don't know about you, but I am itching to talk about the king of cinema, you know, Tom Thomathan Cruz himself, in Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Seven's not in the title, but I call it MI7 whenever I'm texting people about it. Uh, this is a movie that stars Tom Cruise, and he did it. He All those things you see, those are him do- doing them. Movies are great. How do you feel about, about it? So, I used to not be like a huge fan of any of it. I hadn't seen any of them until about 2018 or 2019 when that Mission Impossible Fallout movie rolled out in the theaters, and quickly became we one of my, that. yeah and it quickly became one of my favorite action movies of all time honestly just mm-hmm. love that movie to pieces so when this one came out it had some pretty big shoes to fill but i'll be damned if it almost filled them i wouldn't say it's as good as fallout in my opinion but dead reckoning part one was still a lot of fucking fun mm. i want to establish this before i say anything about this movie because as you can tell from my intro i'm very not much of a fan of this Uh, four out of five it's a very good movie it's technically a masterpiece like the stunts i appreciate them so much uh you know the 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 dynamic that uh ethan hunt has with um luther and with benji 
and mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember Rebecca Ferguson and Haley Atwell's names. Uh, but th- oh. it's all great. Yeah, I forget their names too. But it looks beautiful. You know, it it's two hours and forty three minutes. But like, I didn't really feel the pace. If you no. know, if you ask me. I think it was balanced perfectly between like the story they were trying to tell and the action, like it bounced back and forth and up where it really kept your attention. And I, maybe toward the end, I was feeling like they could end it here, but do I really want them to end it here? No, like I could keep watching it, honestly, but mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. And there are, yeah, it wasn't a perfect movie. There was some moments where I was like, whatever. And you kind of have to like, it's the same story almost every time there's a villain and there's a clock usually and you got to fight against the clock and there's you're not really rewriting anything here you're just kind of filling in blanks mm-hmm. but at the same time i was having fun watching it i was shoveling popcorn in my mouth and watching tom cruise just doing crazy shit at 60 years old or whatever it's just insane and i think it was a really fun first movie but it does feel like a first movie in a way too especially how they ended it <laughs> Mm. Uh, actually that's one thing i'll commend the movie on without spoiling anything um in a day and age where part one movies are all of the rage we have fast x and spider-verse in this exact summer that mm-hmm. end like there we're in the middle of a scene we're in the middle of an action ha- happening and we cut and we're like all right see us next year two years from now three years maybe because of all these strikes mission impossible does a good job of just me yeah, you can end it right here honestly and i'd be like yeah i mean maybe not end the franchise but like i'm not like clamoring to see the next one like oh what's gonna happen next you know yeah they like dropped a little bit of information but not like a huge bombshell like uh when someone like a huge explosion or some shit like it was just like tom cruise got information about where he's going next and then it ended so yeah it ended like Honestly, like a lot of action movies, even that don't have sequels, could end. <laughs> like it's just like this guy is going on another mission. Like, of course he's going on another mission. That's what he does. <laughs> Which that's how most of these movies end, anyways. Yeah. I re- I really love what you said about every single one of these movies is exactly the same. Because I had only seen I saw Rogue Nation in theaters and then I saw Fallout with you, uh, not in the theater. And I went back and watched one through four, and then I rewatched five and six, and then I saw seven in a the theater. And uh, my favorite, personally, is, I guess, Fallout, because you have this thing in it. Uh, that's literally, like, my bar right there. I love that's... my mustache, man. Yeah, I... <laughs> that's all That's all I need right there, honestly. But I think the peak version of this movie is something closer to either uh, Ghost Protocol or the, God forbid, the J.J. Abrams one, or even Rogue Nation. We do not need to be here for almost three hours. This should be a tight two hour. Like they think the first one's like under two hours and it's like glory be man, because I think these are all four out of fives. I mean, obviously I think some are better than others. I think the third, the second one is a three. I love John Woo, but like, oof. Um, Every moment where you're not like this blatantly is a John Woo movie is so boring. Uh, But the stunts are super cool and I respect it. And I, I, you know, Tom Cruise is like super passionate about this franchise and in these stunts and it goes a long way. So I really respect and appreciate this movie. And this isn't a four star, like I gave top gun Maverick where it's like, which by the way, I dropped to a three. Um, this isn't a four star like that, where I'm like begrudgingly like, you know, it's really good. I'm just not going to be, you know, you know, it's not on my top 10 of the year so far whatsoever. And it, it won't be, and I will never think about it again. Nah, and while it still had a lot of that cool action stuff, I don't think it really topped the stuff they did in Fallout. Like, 
yeah the big helicopter stuff and everything like i just didn't feel as large scale in some ways like the train stuff was cool i enjoyed it but i don't mm. know I, yeah it just i i enjoyed it still i'm not saying it's a bad movie by any means but it just didn't hit that same big mark mm-hmm. well everyone loves this man and uh you are quite the prophet because you picked this movie and it's funny because in this in my head this i view this very similarly with john wick uh whereas like i don't like i don't care about the middle-aged white action man in a suit and he's going to beat up all the bad guys i'm not emotionally invested in these characters or this story whatsoever uh but the world uh, is yeah but but yeah the world <laughs> is and the critics are as well and the box office is booming and you are reaping those benefits good sir because i'm pretty sure this is a uh, capping out at a 96 percent on rotten tomatoes and it's clearly already made it's actually already made the same amount of money that the flash has in this <laughs> entire box office run uh so uh go ahead and chalk up those 96 points buddy yeah that's i even though i don't even agree with it really like it's a good movie but is it a 96 i don't i don't think it deserves a 96 <laughs> yeah like i would be like 84 you know yeah 80 84 even 82 like it's somewhere in that range it's very good but it's not a citizen kane need to go see it right away at all yeah like i get it i live on planet earth and i would also like it to keep spinning uh (laughs) but i am not invested in the mission i'm not invested in anything but the action sequences are really cool and these are professional actors who have a lot of fun clearly tom cruise does it again where it's like if tom cruise could get oscars for stunts that man would have trophy cases full of them because he just does the craziest shit that no one else would probably dare to do oh yeah him and johnny knoxville you know yeah and and jackie chan but um yeah i i don't know i don't have anything oh there is a character who bites the dust in this movie and I did not have any reaction whatsoever. I do not care about anyone or anything that's happening. Just jump off a building. You know what I mean? Well, like, in, a, in a fun way. And even movies like this, it's like, are they actually dead? Are they going to show up in the next movie? Who actually knows? Like, they can always just do the weirdest shit. Because none of these movies really have that big of stakes where everyone has to stay gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this one's trying to be more realistic and serious. Like, don't get me wrong. I I know I'm like the highest on Fast X out of anybody, but like I would die for Dominic Toretto. Okay. Yeah. Ethan Hunt, he's just doing his job. Easily this summer, if you were picking between the two, watch Fast X before watching this one, in my opinion. Like Fast X is way more fun. That's right, baby. Well, go watch both. Go watch everything. Go to the movies. Watch all of these. Uh, Do you have anything else to say about Mission Impossible? I'm kind of tapped. Nah. Um... (laughs) A movie that we also both saw, a very sexy movie called Joyride, is a movie about uh, four Asian women who go on a trip together uh, to, I don't know, party, and it's for work, and something about a birth mother. Uh, But there's not very much riding. Like, you know, a Joyride, you, like, drive around a car. Did they drive a car in this? I think a little bit, I feel like. Not much, though. It's just a road trip movie. It's very much in the same vein as like a girl's trip or the hangover, or it's just a raunchy comedy with these friends. Yeah, but there's also is the through line of the girl who she was adopted as a kid from China and she 
kind of always felt ostracized in America and doesn't really fit in that well. So she always felt like she needed to prove herself and whatnot. But once she gets in this law firm, she wants to find her birth mother because they want like the guy she goes to meet in China really wants to know where she's from. So they go to try to find her birth mother in China and it becomes one of those stories. But it's a fun movie in a way, but it's not like the funniest movie I've ever seen. I was laughing a lot more than my theater was. I took my parents to go see it and I feel like some of the humor oh, was definitely no. <laughs> was definitely more uh, geared towards oh, younger no. audiences than older because that was the whole theater too. It was like 40 plus other than myself. Dude, I literally walked out of the movie and I said, uh, my dad would have a heart attack if he watched this. <laughs> oh no, my parents, I think they liked it, but they didn't like it as much as I did probably, I would say. They were fine with it. I was laughing throughout. I, I think I really enjoyed similarly to the blackening. I li- really enjoyed the racial humor, like when they're going to the park at the like first scene of the movie and and then they cut to the sign that says White Hills. Yeah. I burst out laughing in my theater. That was hilarious. And then I love when like uh, Roy from the office and they're like, uh, are you guys Asian? And he's like, yes. It's like, oh, thank God. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was hilarious. Were, were and then the, the, the douchebag guys that she works with. Uh, I really love that dynamic, how, like, he was aggressively, like, inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were so many parts where it was poking fun at their own race and poking fun at white people and how overly, like, sensitive they are to some things and trying to defend racist things and different shit like that. And a lot of the humor made me laugh quite a bit. And especially the two friends that made me laugh the most were her actual like best friend or whatever i forget what her name was but and also the dead eye girl and her dead like, dead, her deadpan humor was just hilarious like this girl i hope she does more comedy stuff because it was just cracking me up throughout the movie yeah she was definitely my favorite character and honestly i felt like she was the heart of the movie i, yeah. I actually will echo what you said i think one of the most i know it's a comedy so it's not like trying to be like about things but i do like the whole like Oh, she, you know, doesn't feel like she belongs with white people because she's Asian, but she also doesn't feel like she belongs with Asian people because she was raised in white culture. So like, you know, feeling that like lack of identity. I know I really enjoyed her journey there. I mean, it, it does slow down in the third act when this movie tries to become a movie and it really wraps up really quickly. But yeah. I think it's a really good time. And if it seems like the kind of thing that you'd enjoy, then I think you'll go out and have a ball with this. I gave it a three out of five. Uh, not a four because yeah, I kind of lost steam at the end for me, but it's a fun and funny movie. Yeah, I gave it around a three and a half. I think I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I think this is one that I would definitely recommend. Like, get a group of friends together, especially if you're a lady and have a group of lady friends. This would be one that's a lot of fun. That I think get them all together, have a glass of wine, and just have some good laughs together. And it's one of those. It's definitely like a friendship movie but also it has that heart to it with the through line of trying to find your identity too it's for the girls absolutely uh but yeah very fun very good uh very good little comedy studio comedy movie and people are going out to go see it which i'm really happy about and another studio comedy that people have been running out to go see too our lady jennifer lawrence has gotten in there with her raunchy comedy and that is no hard feelings now you got to see this one before me so why don't you lead us out Yes, I did. Uh, So this is a studio comedy starring Jennifer Lawrence. And this is awesome because how often do we get studio comedies with big A-list celebrities? I mean, we forget how big Jennifer Lawrence was. Not only does she headline major franchises like The Hunger Games, which is returning this year with The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, but we also got her in the X-Men franchise and the 
the the really good ones like first class and uh days of future past but yeah. she's also an awards contender regularly with silver linings playbook being her big win but also other good movies like american hustle and joy and she's a very winter's bone she's a very good actress yeah. so you know seeing her here i really loved her performance it's one of my favorite female lead performances of the year because not only is she absolutely hilarious but she carries the dramatic moments in this movie and there's one scene in particular that was wildly wildly impressive it is the beach scene and so just to go off on that for a second so you you know i was 13 at one point and you know the type of movie like this you know is the type of movie where you're 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 looking for for something to happen and the beach scene delivers but it's not just like oh hey naked lady it's 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 more than that you know what i mean like i definitely was like yep that's mystique right there because it's also like an action scene and it's yeah. also really funny and it just works on so many different levels and it's not just like exploitative like some other movies like this would be you know no yeah that moment specifically i knew it right then and there i was like i want jennifer lawrence to be in a lot more comedy because she nails it physical comedy got it just comedic chops has it back and forth dialogue and everything and just it feels like she could easily not need a script like she could just come up with stuff off the top of her head and it would still be hilarious like improving mm. all the time oh yeah she, all the interviews that she does are, are are great yeah and like when you see those interviews and you see this movie it feels like she's almost genuinely playing a bit of her personality in there because she's just like a fun loving quirky just goofy kind of gal and in this movie although she is a bit more uh run down maybe you would say and kind of beaten down by life and experienced a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. she still has a lot of heart to her this character does and it's very touching and the kid in the movie that's playing the 19 year old in mm-hmm. a way he almost reminded me of drew gooden especially the way he talks and his mannerisms in a way mm-hmm. and it made me laugh a lot but he's also like the way he's playing this character of being like very shy and just not knowing how to really be social that much. He played that perfectly and he was cracking me up almost as much as Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really great too. You know, he played Evan Hansen after Ben Platt on stage. I did not and know then, that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, imagine if they would have made the movie and he would have played him because he actually looks like a high schooler unlike yeah, 30 plus year old Ben Platt. That would have actually been really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought he was really great in it too. I actually really like um, Matthew Broderick as well it's nice to see him back and doing things but yeah this movie's wildly funny throughout but yeah it has a decent amount of heart and i feel like it's a really good date movie and, you know it's um good to see movies like this coming out in theaters and everyone seems to be really liking it yeah especially with it being a studio comedy like i'm happy the box office is doing pretty well too because a lot of comedies through the last few years you get every once in a while you get those big hits but a lot of them usually fall by the wayside and people usually catch them on streaming and everything but they don't get the box office or notoriety that they really deserve so it's Mm -hmm. nice to see one like this finally getting the attention and well there was a couple like little like controversial (laughs) things about this movie so first of all here's one that i had going into this movie i was like oh so the joke is that this young man who seems to have no interest in having sexual relations with this woman and you know that's the joke haha he doesn't want to have sex with this obviously attractive woman like clearly like he's probably like asexual or something and we're making fun of him because he doesn't have that desire in him and uh, i i would like to say after watching the movie that's not something that i um think people should be worried about after seeing it 
because it's clear that it's not because he's like not interested in sex whatsoever. It's that just that he's more of a romantic, you know, and I really enjoy that. that. And I'm not to go into any spoilers, but it's a thing that happens to a lot of people, I think. And it's the bullying and the stuff like that. It really de- hurt his development socially. So he's very awkward in his mannerisms and even trying to even flirt with her when you can see he's trying to flirt. It just feels so awkward and weird because he just doesn't understand human connection in a way because he basically was pulled out of high school and didn't really develop in that way it's it's very interesting Mm -hmm. to think about in some ways after watching it too just looking back at it Mm. and the other thing that people are talking about is that like well what if it was the other way around and it was a 30 something year old man who was actively coming after a freshly 18 year old girl uh and my answer to that is you're right uh, good thing that's not the movie we watched. We yeah. watched a movie about a 30-something-year-old woman who got with an 18-year-old boy. And it's a movie. It's it's not real. You don't have to worry about it. And a comedy at that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not trying to make a point. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just trying to make you laugh. Like, it's being silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this. Actually, it's squeaked into my top 10 being a four-star movie for me because I think I have only have like seven-something five-star movies, so a few four-star movies are currently in there right now. And I just uh, really appreciate and respect a movie like this coming out, so it's it's up there for me. Yeah, it's above Mission Impossible. That's right, Tom. Yeah, I gave it a four-star, too. I definitely recommend checking it out if you have the time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, speaking of, we were talking about um, a movie starring some Asian people before and i have another movie about a couple of korean people uh called past lives this is a we talk about five star movies this is one of my seven five star movies on the year uh this movie is absolutely beautiful have you you haven't seen this movie have you no but i think it's i don't even know if it even has a showtime anymore i might it's probably going to be pulled by the weekend especially with barbie and oppenheimer coming out so i probably will have to wait for it to come on streaming or something oh yeah it's not in my theater anymore yeah but it's a fantastic movie it is like half of it's in subtitles, but uh, you're not worried about that. Uh, but I really love the way that this is shot. I love the performances and I love the 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 meaning behind it. You know what I mean? Because this movie, like it, it invokes many different reactions. It's very sad. Like My girlfriend came out of it like extremely sad. And I was like, nope, that just all makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, like so- I'm like generally sad. Sure. But like one plus one equals two, you know? Yeah, did did you see Drive My Car last yes. year, the year before? Is it similar in that vein? No, not at all. Not so it's just, day. but it's just sad. Is the only similarity? Yeah, it's it's uh, instead of being over two and a half hours, it's uh, just under two hours. I think it's like an hour and like forty seven minutes, something like that. Uh, also, it's a romance. You know what I mean? Whereas Drive My Car was more of like, um, um, it's about like like grief and depression. Yeah. Whereas this is more about like, like, for example, it's about this young Korean girl and her family decides to move to America. So she has to leave her best friend who's this little Korean boy. And uh, we fast forward about 12 years later. It kind of reminds me of the Before trilogy. Have you ever seen those movies? I'm aware of them, but I haven't seen any of them. Oh, they're beautiful. I just bought the Criterion and I'm not even a Criterion guy, but it was a birthday present to myself. Uh, but it, uh, yeah, it's kind of like that where it's like we're checking in on these two people like, you know, every so many years, you know. And, uh, you know, seeing how they change and how the relationship change is over time. Uh, the movie does get really meta at a certain point in the middle, and it kind of threw me off for a second. But 
I like the direction that it goes because you really thought it was going to be this standard thing. I feel like this movie's a lot about stereotypes too, um, specifically aimed at white people here, uh, which, uh, you know, it like preys on your stereotype. Like, you thought this was going to happen, didn't you? Uh, and uh, it's really effective. Uh, this movie is really super touching, super sweet, and super sad. And I had a great, wonderful time. It's currently... I think it's my fourth favorite movie of the year uh, ahead of Blackberry, but behind Fast X. Do that math. I haven't seen Blackberry yet either, but I'm I'm very oh. much looking forward to this movie now, though, because this sounds really, really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Blackberry uh, is really good as well. Uh, if you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Glenn Howerton is fantastic. And honestly, it might be my favorite Jay Baruchel performance as well. Uh, but it's a Matt Johnson movie. And uh, I would just like to recommend, uh, have you seen The Dirties? I don't think I'm familiar with him. Oh, I beg and plead for you to watch The Dirties. Uh, this is Matt Johnson's first movie that he made. Uh, he almost didn't wasn't able to make it. It just costs a few thousand dollars, uh, I think, like super low amount of money. And um, it's about a two friends who are making a movie about a school shooting. And it is it is super funny. It's a comedy. Uh, don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it is super interesting and has one of my favorite movie endings of all time. I was literally floored by it. It's very short, under 90 minutes. And it really gives you a glimpse inside the mind of who Matt Johnson is. Because Blackberry is more of a narrative feature. Whereas, like, you know, um, The Dirty is more of like a mockumentary similar to Operation Avalanche's second movie. Uh, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely watch Blackberry. It probably is already out on like stream, not streaming, but like you could probably get it on VOD or pirate it or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll look for it. Cause yeah, that's definitely, I want to see it for sure. Same with that Tetris movie too. I forgot that it came out this year until recently. Oh, yeah. Apple TV plus movie. I, it was really fun. It's, it's in that, yeah, they're both in that same vein where it's like, oh, it's a, a, a biography about a company. And, uh, but black the Blackberry is much better. Then Tetris, because Tetris is like, oh, how a, a successful company came to be. Yeah. Blackberry is about the rise and fall yeah. of a successful company. I didn't think about the fall, the fall at first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They really, oh my God. Speaking about great endings, the ending of Blackberry, oh, that is, that that's like a gut punch. That movie is honestly, it reminds me a lot of the social network. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out real soon then. Mm -hmm. so rapid fire what other movies we got here we wanted to talk about any any theatrical movies don't see the boogeyman it's not good i didn't like it yeah have not seen it don't really plan to i'd probably catch it on vod or whatever eventually mm -hmm. um the only movie i saw recently wasn't in theaters but i finally caught the conjuring the devil made me do it i watched it this afternoon actually Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because I tried to watch it originally when it came out and I caught it the very last day on HBO Max because it was during all the pandemic bullshit mm -hmm. and I fell asleep watching it and wasn't able to finish at that time and then tried to watch it again not too long ago and fell asleep so I tried to watch it during the day this time and yeah I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would I think it's like the same director as like The Nun and La Llorona which aren't the best movies in the Conjuring universe so I wasn't too geek to know that that was the director but this is by far the best movie of those i think when especially when it comes to how it was filmed and everything like it's one of the crispiest movies like it still has some of the james wan touches that he like kind of made in this conjuring universe but the scares are really good like the waterbed thing really freaked me out honestly in a few different moments that really mm. kind of got to me when it came to the visual scares but the story isn't all that great and it's definitely like 
almost like old man they're, they're almost playing old characters already which is kind of funny in a way because they don't look old at all mm-hmm. <laughs> but like patrick wilson had a heart attack at one point and stuff but yeah i thought it was a fun movie i, I didn't i thought it was people like kept making the joke that it was more of like all in the courtroom and everything but it's not at all it's actually still it a horror. it's still a horror movie i liked it i'm happy i'm all power to you i i lose by not getting to like it uh i wish i liked it i'm at a, like a two out of five probably i don't remember much of anything about it i saw it in theaters i remember not liking it uh, i think it's a silly very silly movie in a franchise that has ran its course and well, i do not like it at least technically it is very good though i will give it that especially like it's filmed very very well i have zero memory i uh, have no idea if you saw an imax you really should remember because it's it was shot for imax and it looks like it was shot for imax like it's genuinely like really really good i, I could look up my letterbox i have no i have no i'm no pretty sure i looked and you did give it a two i think you said you <laughs> fell asleep in the middle of it if i remember I think I read yeah, that earlier. Well, hey, the devil made me do it. What can I say? Ah, but, but but honestly, I can see that because I also kept falling asleep within like the first twenty minutes, and it wasn't because I was bored though. It was just because I'd get so fucking tired. Yeah, I'm just a sleepy little guy. <laughs> um, other movies that are out. Asteroid City is good. I think you should obviously you should see it before the end of the year. It's Wes Anderson, yeah. so it's super well technically made. Uh, it's also like what I'm a big Wes Anderson guy, so I definitely still want to check it out. I just haven't had the time yet. Oh, it's a very Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. Uh, so I'm, 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 I think you'll really enjoy this one. I think his head is really far up his ass, which I really like when filmmakers' heads are up their butt. But it's like a story within a story, like you know, kind of like the Grand Budapest, you know. But it's framed as like uh, Edward Norton is like writing a play, and the play is Asteroid City, and it. I'm just, you know, it, I enjoyed hanging out. In Asteroid City for a hundred minutes with these like kooky, you know, funny little characters, but uh, this was a one and done for me. I have a feeling I'm really gonna love it because I watched that Bottle Rocket movie recently too, like his first feature, and I mm. that was, might be one of my favorite ones now. Like Grand Budapest was pretty high up there, but that movie was incredible. Definitely recommend that one if you haven't seen it yet. Mm. Anything else? Last last chance. Uh, Urban Legend. Urban Legend. I just watched it recently. It's basically a scream ripoff from 1998 with Jared Leto. I thought it was really really good. Honestly, it's very silly. It has a lot of horror trope commentary stuff like Scream. It's it's very much a scream ripoff, but I still recommend it. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, my final recommendation will be for the Transformers the movie from 1986. Uh, not only does it have the most kick-ass soundtrack ever, but like I even knew the spoiler, the big spoiler going into it, and I thought it was awesome. That was like my favorite movie I've seen since Freaks. Uh, if you haven't seen Freaks, see Freaks. Have you seen Freaks? I, is that I, no? I haven't. I've heard of it though. Yeah, from like film history, like 1932. Oh wait, no, no, no. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, super like offensive movie, but uh, I think it's wildly interesting, and I absolutely love well, it. It's one of my it's... favorite first watches of the year. It's not really offensive, though, because it is it was made to kind of like show how shitty the circus was to those people and stuff like legitimately like people that had deformities and stuff. They were like abused by circus people and stuff like P.T. Barnum and shit. It's a hard watch. That's all. But it's yeah, it's very (laughs) weird. It's very disturbing, but it has a lot of influence on the horror genre specifically and like Mm -hmm. the whole gooba gobble thing. Like that's literally like so many times been troped in so many different shows and movies and stuff. But 
yeah it's very weird but very fun to watch at the same time just how weird and disturbing it gets for especially being in the 30s and movies are usually fun and weird to watch and i love watching them uh, i am adam you can check me out at hard reviews i've got some new ones i did a big long one about flash where i talk about why i'm the only person in the world that likes it steve yeah film fan reviews for me i got a couple new videos for all the movies we've been talking about I might have one for Joyride and No Hard Feelings. I haven't recorded, haven't edited it yet, so that might be coming towards you soon. But I'm also seeing Barbie on Thursday, so keep an eye out for that. Awesome, cool, and keep loving movies, guys. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, keep watching all those movies.